Web3 Unpacked is proudly published by ARC, a leading design consultancy. ARC specializes in Web 2.0 and 3.0 strategy, design, branding, creative content development, and content marketing. We help companies ensure that their brand and business remain differentiated and competitive in a rapidly evolving digital landscape. To learn more, please visit arctai.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Rich Pasqua, and this is Web3 Unpacked. And today we have the privilege of speaking with Andrea Berry, head of business development of Theta, a decentralized video network powered by users and an innovative new blockchain. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rich. Excited yes. to be here. Um, so, you know, we were chatting before uh, we jumped on here and really interesting platform. Um, you know, it's, there are a few, few out there in the Web3 space, but really after digging into your white paper a little bit, this is really quite robust and there's a lot of features and functionality that we're gonna definitely get into. But before we do that, I wanna know a little bit more about you uh, and you know what got you into this and a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, so let's see, you know, I started my career actually working for the NBA. So that was like my first taste of media, entertainment and uh, workflow of um, media of like video, audio recordings, interviews. And um, being from the Silicon Valley, I've always been obsessed with tech and trying new things. And so it was at the NBA, I was working for the Denver Nuggets that I learned that I kind of had a knack for this thing. And I was always trying new things to help solve problems. So it's hard not to go down the, the ins and outs of that because it's really nerdy, interesting to me. But ultimately, that experience drove me back home to the Bay Area to get into technology formally and on the media tech side of the, of the industry. And so I joined a company called Kaltura. It was an open source, the first open source video platform. And there it just blew my mind. And I was really inspired by the open source approach to technology and um, the ecosystem that it can provide, but specifically around video. And a mentor gave me great advice then that, you know, if you stick to something, you know, if, if you're not an engineer, if you stick to one area of expertise, you become more valuable, your job becomes more enjoyable, and it becomes about relationships. Um, and so I stuck around in video. I've been at various video platforms, including, um, Quello Media Streaming Services, which originally started as Quello Concerts. So it was the first music streaming platform for music videos, um, concerts, documentaries. They started streaming at the same time as Netflix. And funny enough, they were a customer of mine at Kaltura. So I went and helped the CEO of Quello white label the back end of that streaming platform, and we sold it to other businesses to use as their own streaming platform. Uh, from there, I went to Vimeo and I worked on their enterprise team focused on OTT, over-the-top delivery. So the concept of um, video on demand, like direct to consumer without going through cable top um, set boxes. Um, and then, you know, at Vimeo actually is when I met with Mitch, the CEO um, of, at the time it was Sliver TV. And... Uh, you know, we laugh about this now, but he was kind of, you know, saying like, are you interested in joining? But I, you know, really just started at Vimeo and I was committed and 
I said, you know, I'm rooting for you. I really like what you guys are doing at the time they had built their decentralized CDN. So the company started as Sliver TV, which was like a competitor to Twitch, which is now our Theta TV product. And by delivering 4K video and 360 video to VR headsets from these e-tournaments, e-gaming tournaments, it's really complicated and the delivery was terrible. So we decided to build a decentralized CDN, a peer-to-peer network. And so I told Mitch, I love what they're doing. You know, I jokes on me because I kind of rolled my eyes at the time, like, oh boy, that's a big mountain to climb. And years later, I was interviewing again and the same friend who introduced us said, oh, why don't you talk to Theta? And and I was like, who's Theta? And they said, that's Sliver TV. And by the way, they hit a $15 billion market cap at the height of the market. And I was like, I sure enough went, looked at the most latest white paper at the time. And I was like, oh my God, they did it. And they did so much more. You know, They went and then built their own native blockchain. So they built one of the first proof of stake blockchain companies, uh, blockchain period, really. And uh, it has a video API. It has this focus on media and entertainment and very different from other blockchains. I mean, at the time, it was proof of stake that was so different. But now what I would say is proof of stake is more common is that Theta has this edge store. So the idea of this CDN, you know, decentralized storage and streaming solutions, transcoding, et cetera, um, it really is the whole a whole picture of solutions for media and entertainment. So I guess that's my word vomit whole, you know, kind of career, but how I got to Theta and I'll, I'll stop there to um, give it to you to, you know, which part you want to dig into more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's lots of interesting little, little bits and pieces in there. Um, one of which was open source. I, mm-hmm. I recently had a conversation with a friend who's like, Hey, you know, we were talking about new technology and what do you think of this and Apple and Samsung, mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a blockchain guy. I'm kind of full tilt with this stuff. And, you know, 2.0 will be 2.0. Um, there mm-hmm. are wall- lots of wall gardens. And I said, you know, I'm much like yourself, Andrea. You mentioned it before. You're interested in open source. I said, that's how things are kind of done these days. And you have to kind of recruit armies. And he's like, well, would you want a piece of software that is running in your car? or running your car, perhaps, is the brains, that is open source. I said, well, maybe not the proprietary brains or the ECU of it, but some of the entertainment portion. He's like, even that, I wouldn't want to do it. It's like, it's different. There's all different validation models. Yeah. I think um, a little bit of reliability, but very much uh, a security issue. Much it should be a security issue for anything, anyone. Um, you know, uh, but you know, it, it is. <laughs> um, there are, are checkpoints, and you know, we work with a lot of exactly. So we we have a, we work with a lot of different DApps and and protocols, and they have pretty stringent. Uh, security and quality checks all throughout the whole process that um, are transparent yeah. at least at some level right it, it, exactly it's transparent um, third parties can come in and evaluate if they want so mm-hmm. it, it is you know it's like the the whole you know cath- you know the church and the cathedral type of uh, discussion great book by the way if you haven't read yeah that. 
And uh, I'll share this too, because I know not all of your listeners are super technical, but the first idea that I did go back to when I started to learn about blockchain is like, oh, well, like Kaltura and the open source nature is, you know, look at Wikipedia. Like I remember when Wikipedia was like, you know, considered a blog post, or like what we would say a blog post is today, you know, you can't rely on that. It's not credible. But now with time, with numbers, with, you know, the army of contributors and checks and balances, like it's a modern day encyclopedia. And I think open source is the same type of nature as like, if you're not technical, but you understand the concept of Wikipedia, it's the same type of um, ideology, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think that's a great, um, great analogy. And those types of checks and balances are being dripped into the whole development, not even dripped, it's poured into it, yeah. into the whole, uh, you know, front end, back end uh, development world of uh, Web3. Really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all happening. Uh, and it's interesting you brought up uh, Wikipedia because I'm like, wow, Wikipedia probably should, could benefit from the idea of using a DAO, right? <laughs> oh, really? Wow. All right. Um, now, it's, it seems like we should be at the same cocktail parties, but because um, uh, I think about this stuff a lot, and it comes up a lot. And even when I'm talking, even though it's not, uh, I didn't put any pre-thought into it, I'll talk to folks like yourself and it's like, wow, that would be a good idea or good use case for DAOs. I think, you know, people need to understand web three first. Yes. If you're, you know, have a stomach for it, jump into DAOs. Uh, I'm learning about it as you are. Um, it's fascinating governance model. Totally. Um, and it, it, it does have the power if set up properly to right. really create self-governing uh, entities or environments. And where it makes sense too. I always like to call out every time, you know, somebody may be listening to a conversation like this and we're onto something there. And that's very real. I also like to point out as it suits the person issuing or setting this up, right? It's like, that's the biggest misconception I constantly am having with executives is once they understand one component of Web3, it kind of blankets and generalizes. So they're like, but I don't want my business to be self-governing. It's like, great, you don't need to, you don't have to have a DAO. Or you know, if I'm talking to a sports team and, and they're like, but I don't want my fans to decide how we're running the business. And I'm like, you don't have to, but wouldn't it be cool if they could vote on uh, the jerseys they're wearing that that night? Or, you know, if um, it could be very silly, it could be what type of, um, I don't know, themes of the night. It can be very silly or for, for Hollywood, it could be should the actress wear a red dress or a blue dress in this scene. And and that's, I spend a lot of time just reminding these executives, hey, peel it back a little bit. I'm glad you understand that specific use case, but you only have to do it that way if, if it suits your business or whatever, your model. Yeah, yeah all really good points. And it is this, especially when we're talking about the entertainment industry, sports mm -hmm. that you brought up, I think is really prime for NFTs and all sorts of other stuff. You can, through NFTs and DAOs, even the simple passive DAO, yeah. it, it fosters engagement, right? Right. And it makes people 
more closer and attached to your brand or your product exactly. or your team. Uh, it's it's super that direct cool. relationship. Well, we, I talked about it my whole career. Like I've been trained on this as part of like selling strategies. So you need to own your audience, right? Like, especially at Vimeo, uh, the, it was a white label solution. So different from the Vimeo that most people know that we had this like Netflix in a box solution that you could come and it was software as a service. And you could come upload your videos and basically launch your own branded Netflix in 90 days for under $100,000 across all these apps. And we would go to YouTubers, fitness instructors, churches, I mean, every kind of person who has a video library and say, well, you don't own your audience uh, on YouTube or Facebook. Like, what if they shut you down or what if whoever, whatever happens, how do you contact your followers to offer them new perks, to communicate with them, to add value, or even to tell you where your new channel is. You're not owning your audience. So we used to do that fear-driven model. But then when I joined Web3, I realized, well, that's similar to what Vimeo is doing or software as a service is doing. It's a step towards the right direction. But really, as a business owner, I'm at mercy of Vimeo owning that audience. And my relationship with them is constrained to the mold of Vimeo software. And so like Web3 is really a blank canvas, NFT specifically or smart contracts are just ways for you to have a, there's no, in my opinion, there's no more intimate relationship or direct relationship you can have with your consumer than via an NFT. Yeah, absolute, absolute directness, peer to peer, whatever you want, you know. However you want to build. B2C, however you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. it's direct access. And it's, yeah. it, I'm glad you brought it up, Andrea. The idea of very large, and you know, I like YouTube, I like Netflix, just like everyone else. They have but you value. Know they have tons of value. And exactly where you're going, that value is really predicated on the collections that they put together mm -hmm. of movies, documentaries, whatever they are. YouTube obviously being very open with its, you know, any right. content goes just about obviously. Right. But at the end of the day, you are, you have to fit into that mold um, and you are subject to being turned off for, you know, a right. curse word or a, um, uh, you know, misconceptions or, or demonetized you know. even, right? Maybe you're not shut down, but because of whatever reason and something that we learn from these creators, and I'm sure you're familiar with this too, is, you know, one fitness instructor, I think his name is Millionaire Oi. He's really inspiring entrepreneur as a successful fitness business that he built from zero. And on YouTube, he said, every week I'm chasing an algorithm that's changing. I'm a fitness instructor. I want to focus on creative, my, my class, my members, you know, that's what I want to focus on. That's my business. And yet YouTube has turned me into this like influencer in the wrong direction where I'm chasing an algorithm fitting their mold instead of focusing on what's best for my business and consumers. And I always remember that, that the, chase. Uh, it's a really good point you bring up there because having web three unpacked and I want to spin up other ones, but I, and I, I, I am into marketing and I am, we do mm -hmm. social and we do all sorts of stuff through arc, my, my company. Um, but it, we're a small team and we're constantly chasing new updates and this and that. Yeah. And how do you amplify your audience and, you know, 
grow naturally, you know, um, but in a swifter, you know, cadence perhaps. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really challenging. And to your friend's point is, or the the person you're talking about, the health uh, instructor, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have, it's two jobs. You can't just plug the camera in and go to a, a, a streaming, you know, podcast service or yourself and just record and have fun and create tons of content. Mm-hmm. You have to worry about it. Like the video part is almost the easy part, right? Yeah. Um, creating good, you know, uh, enjoyable content sure. is, is challenging, of course. But then you have a whole other day and two days and three days of like, okay, what are they up to now? Um, how does the algorithm work? Yeah, what hashtags, you know, it's like the platforms um, amplify, you know, I think the latest one I read for Instagram was that you shouldn't be using more than three hashtags now. And it's like all of and Instagram versus TikTok, right? They all have different ones. But all this to say, you know, you called out like they do have their value. And of course they do. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you should go start your own streaming platform one, you don't want to build one. But even if you did the audiences are there. So there is value that there are audiences there, at least in today's world. You know, it is interesting. Even that fitness instructor, when he did launch his um, successful, you know, own Netflix branded, it was very, I believe it's still successful today. You know, he, I think the, the question was posed like, okay, what do I do with my YouTube channel now? Implying like we should phase it out and shut it down. And I said, no, those are, that's your free model then you have your paid version, right? So this is a funnel. You should be doing maybe first Fridays, a free workout class or something. Capture the audience that's there. You know, it's it's really a dark art, all of it. But this is all why I joined Web3 is it, it takes, it's less of a dark art. You're less dependent on all these third parties for technical monetization, everything. And um, what I realize my big aha moment that just got me so excited to to join theta is web three is infrastructure for community and infrastructure for community in a web two world is abstract vague it's very difficult to prove roi it's it's that is a dark art yeah yeah and um through web three and DAOs and other tools and technologies and 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 dapps and uh, apis you're going to be able to really take control over your data, like, mm-hmm. you know, a business's data. Um, uh, as a user, you'll be able to um, take control or ownership back. Right. And and um, meter what yep. you're sharing and perhaps get, a, get paid for it. You should be getting paid for it. Right. And this, or some this type comes of up, reward. Absolutely. And, and Andrea, the, 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 this comes up all the time and it's, we are no longer like we are no longer the batteries, right? Mm, mm-hmm. and, and this is the changing of the tides. So now, you know, the the, the small fitness instructor, uh, a, a small uh, Web3 podcast or an entertainment podcast now can t- really take control over um, how they're making money uh, and yeah. really take control over ownership of product. IP and, and the end product, right? Exactly. Yeah. And the data... It's, it reminds me again of these executive conversations that I have is, you know, there is data that, that businesses want to be proprietary. And I have to peel that back again to say, while it feels like adopting Web3 is sacrificing control, it, it could 
you know, it can be in some areas of your business that you're used to. However, what that small sacrifice then entails is so much more rewarding and better for your business, even from a, if we want to be super corporate about it and just talk about the bottom line, I have to remind them that by, okay, by allowing that direct access, you empower your consumers to be rewarded for their data sharing. That's loyalty. That's rewarding loyalty. And then you arguably have way more control than today depending on cloud systems, paying vendors for data, and we feel robbed. Users, everybody wins in this scenario, like in Web3. I feel more empowered and in control of my privacy and data. I feel like I'm benefiting from what I'm giving up. The business and I have a better relationship. Nobody's depending on these third parties, and I don't feel um, like my privacy is being breached. I trust my company more, the company. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a tighter relationship with the brand or the company um, mm-hmm. to the to the end user. Um, and, and I think as I talk to, to folks like you and others and friends and colleagues and whatnot, I'm like, why? What is the big hurdle with Web3? Mm-hmm. And it's I, I truly believe there are people, you know, out there like us that we we understand a lot of it and we're continuing to learn. Um, there are people that know a tremendous amount um, and will still reject it. And True. there are people that just are learning and they're not sure they just write it off or whatnot. So there is this hump that we're trying to get over and this is the adoption hump, right? Um, so what, when you and I talk, it's very natural. It's like, it's trust. Yes. It's, it's direct to consumer, literally. Um it's using um, networks and, and whether it be edge networks or, or just decentralized networks to pull people in and out and use um, nodes as validators and whatnot. Right. It just makes really, really sense. And then you all shrouded in, in cryptography, which is right. hack, well, theoretically hack proof. Um, and, you know, very, very secure. So what is the problem, right? So for me, and I'm sure you've, <laughs> I know this is like one of those cocktail, <laughs> co- no, it's good. Andrea cocktail stories, I like uh, it. Yeah, sipping a glass of wine. But, you know, is it, I truly believe people are starting to understand some of them in government and other uh, maybe um, agencies right. are playing dumb because they yeah. know the middleman is going away. They know the irony of that. I know, right. They know theft is going away. Well, and for all the fears and I'm overgeneralizing a little bit, but for all the fears that, um, and skepticism that people are misinformed on with blockchain, the irony, AI included, the irony is it's the solution for all the fears that you're describing. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like sometimes it makes my head hurt, depending on how stubborn the person is. But I would say that's my day-to-day job is demystifying Web3 <laughs> to anyone from my Uber driver to studio executives. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would um, I wholeheartedly agree with that. A good portion of my day is taken up by just explaining it. Or, right. hey, here's an idea. Maybe we can implement this. And how would that work? And you know, other people like that are more technical than me maybe have to educate sideways to me. Um, yeah. And that's the way it's done. But you're 100% right. There is this like 
if you look who's rejecting it, major finance, some mm -hmm. major finance, uh, right. others are institutional investors are piling in now. So that's a good sign. Yes. Um, because they know they need to diversify. Uh, is the NASDAQ um, and, and other means of um, investing going away? Absolutely not. And I, I don't want to see that go away personally. But there are new models. There are new ways to do things that are more direct. Um, and that solve real, real problems. Right. Um, right. Whether they're, how serious that problem is, there's this whole spectrum. But you did ask, you know, the problem. And I have this theory. I don't know. It's like just more so growing up in the Silicon Valley. You know, uh, my grandfather was a rocket scientist. And so I grew up with like the first computers. I can type a hundred words a minute because of all this, you know, stuff he always exposed me to. But, you know, my dad was in technology sales. So I think that's why I have this little knack or curiosity. But I saw growing up in the Silicon Valley, the evolution of the cloud. And I can remember the day that someone was teaching me about the cloud. I think it was my dad. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm never going to really have to know this. Like I was getting ready for an interview and I was like, okay, just conceptual, but here I am. I know it pretty well, definitely more than the average person, but even every, like everybody, maybe even my grandma, my Nonna, she conceptually understands what the cloud is. She may not be right, but she's like, yeah, all my stuff is up there, but that's something, right? And I think that what Mark Zuckerberg has done, and uh, we'll use him as the point shoot person to blame, but the, we, yeah, but exactly. But he, he screwed us of our privacy, our data. He took advantage. He misled us and he lied to us and, you know, however you want to slice up whatever. But he really taught everybody to be wary of technology and not trust technology. And so I think in the cloud evolution, those social platforms are bad actors in the cloud world of data, privacy, and what now boomers can even understand of like, oh, Facebook is misusing my data and they feel that their privacy in is invaded. I think because of that, in a nutshell, is why people are overly skeptical about Web3 and, and are asking more questions than they ever would because they didn't ask questions before they downloaded Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and they didn't know what questions to ask. And the irony is Web3 solves this. So while I love to see the curiosity and like people being want to be more, I want my mom to ask more questions, you know, and things like that. The irony is like, it, it, it just like makes my head hurt a little bit because blockchain is the solution. But I can't answer that to somebody like that because that gets really in the weeds of privacy and blockchain and decentralization. I have to start at the basics and go to examples of social apps or Netflix to, you know, educate them and then paint that picture of why it's better. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you explain zero trust to someone like zero <laughs> trust? Right. There's both parties are, it sounds too good are, to be true. It sounds too good to be true, but if it's done properly, it mm -hmm. really, really works. And to your point, um, every time I turn on the news or a financial show or this and they're griping about something, I'm like, blockchain solves that. I don't know I where know. you've been. It really right. does. Look it up. 
maybe uh, get involved. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, it is a very interesting time. And I think the idea of trusting things in the cloud and, you know, I don't even Google stuff. Sometimes I see it just automatically flowing into I the know. cloud and I, and I panic because I don't want anything in the cloud anymore. It's almost, a dirty, it's almost a dirty it's word. So hard because we live in a cloud world. Yeah. It, and it, everything is SaaS and that's it. Right. And you a lot of no choice. Yeah. A lot of, you know, I'm thinking of different types of profiles, but one that comes up a lot is, you know, um, I, the Theta community is very strong and very inspiring. Um, a lot of them are technical. A lot of them are not, which is very interesting, but sometimes I get criticism to say, why hasn't, you know, basically why, ha why isn't every platform using blockchain and why isn't, why aren't we fast forward to my opinion, 15 years from now, you know, where we live in a, a, blockchain first world. And it's like, because you don't just whiplash into something new, like there's a lean in, there's an evolution. And that's my job is like web two and a half. And we integrate with cloud solutions as needed for our clients. We integrate with whatever solution that they don't want to change. And we'll take a piece that solves a problem because then it's strategy and you earn their trust. And that's really we can get into um, our NFT marketplace if you want to get into some more entertainment use cases, but that's been a huge strategy for our NFT marketplace is to work with enterprises, solve a specific problem with their consumer relationship or marketing via NFTs. We go in and we learn and earn their trust, learn their business, earn their trust, and then they're willing to have a more in-depth conversation or introduce their CTO. And we're not just somebody that they just met on the street. We're a partner we've proven ourselves, right? And like, that's part of the demystifying stage. And anyways, now I'm going on this ramp, but it's like, that's the type of conversion. I think like, even some blockchain um, engineers will at conferences will like, really preach to me and like, you need to be all web three. And I'm like, but how can you get on somebody's phone being a completely web three solution that that's actually impossible today, unless you want to build a new phone. You know, it, it that's hard where I'm like, I think a lot of these conversations, we don't leave room for the lean in moment where it's like, it's okay if they don't get everything. Let's just get the newbies to understand one piece and then we build from there. Yeah. And well put, because uh, we often use the term 2.5 mm -hmm. and it's actually really important for people to understand that 99.9% of web three dApps or applications or what, whatnot protocols all use a two or 2.5 interface to get to web three, to the get whole to end -to -end the security product. to right. end -to end product. You, you need that. Um, how it operates on a phone down the road via the web is another thing. How, you know, there are, there's now specialized hardware coming out. Um, right you know, phones that are. I'm just, so excited for that phase. Yeah, absolutely. Like Solana phone, oh, super hot on that idea. Totally a web three rooted in web three hardware and software mm -hmm. phone. Um, I think it's taking a little bit longer yes. for them to, to release the, the, uh, the initial um, phones, but I'm very excited for it. And I'm glad they're working on stuff like that. Yeah. When um, I hear about things like that, 
I mean, I, I'm one of four kids. I'm very resourceful. I'm like the diplomat, you know, I'm third of four. So it's all, that's all things that come naturally to me, but that's like the part of my job I like and that I'm good at. And when, you know, I hear things like that, sometimes I'm wondering why not, it's not easy by any means, but why not find a existing company that with market share and, and, you know, get who have all the users who have the experience of building and maintaining hardware, which is a very difficult competitive business could swallow you whole if you go in the, you know, if you go out on your own in one direction, this applies to really any business instead of kind of taking the steps and, and of leveraging what already exists out there, you could, you could cease to exist very quickly. Like I always think of, um, you know, Disney and Netflix and this evolution of streaming and these media companies then became technology companies. And so many, like we call it like um, some people in the industry, like my friends, and I will call it like the OTT graveyard. So all these streaming platforms or even B2B streaming solutions that ceased to exist because they left their focus as a media and creative company to try to say, oh, I could just do that. I could become a video infrastructure company. And they didn't realize that's a whole business in itself. And to be both is very difficult. And anyways, that's like a whole other perspective. But, you know, I think with Web3, the beauty of Web3 is you don't have to do it all. You can take and use what pleases you and shed it and move on and use something else as it, as you want for your business. Yeah. And I, I think there's huge change coming. I, yes. I, it's just once people really jump the chasm and they realize, oh, wow, I can do this and that and I don't have to sign away my life and my data uh, in these T's and C's. Uh, over and over again with different right. disparate types types of things, you'll be able to aggregate and cult or cultivate your own communities and or services as you like, and yes. maybe pay or contribute as you use those networks. That's both on the consumer side and the B two B side too. Exactly. Like that's where my brain goes. It's so fun to. It's like almost maestro to be the job of like, okay, how are we resourceful? What relationships and partnerships make sense for us now? What's some in the future that are goals? You know, it's like um, Web3 is infrastructure for community, but it's relationships. So it can bridge together solutions so easy. And then on the consumer side, like you're saying, it's the same thing. Like you are completely empowered to be rewarded for your behavior as a consumer and to use what you what makes sense for you, not because you have to, because there's no other solution or this is the only one that fits. Mm. I, I would imagine, Andrea, that, that, you know, especially for someone like you who are literally opening the first doors to a relationship, right? And you're going through that door with a, a partner or client, whoever mm -hmm. they are, um, small, medium, large video platform, entertainment platform, whatever they are. And day one right now, is one relationship and knowing that you guys are actually putting the blocks in place for 10 years down the road. Right. I would imagine those relationships will just migrate, like just escalate and become. It's 
You nailed it. And I would say that's like really been my video career and why I feel like um, I think Mitch and I, my CEO, both agree this is why it's a good fit for me is that I was able to bring my relationships from a web two video world into web three. And, you know, I just had a conversation with a mentor of mine that was my uh, sales engineer at Caltera so many years ago. And he came and saw me speak at um, the National Association of Broadcasters uh, show in Las Vegas. Hundreds of thousands of people go. It's broadcasting. It's traditional. I mean, now there's all these streaming solutions. But there's last year when I went, there was like a little group of that huddled together about Web3. This year, there was actually like booths for Web3, more of a presence, right? But when I started my career, they didn't even have any streaming solutions. Now there's a whole hall so I see the same thing happening, but my friend, um, Brad, he came and saw me spoke and he just sent me his text the other day. Cause he said, when, you know, you told me you were joining the blockchain company, I was worried ab about it for you, to be honest, but I knew that you're very smart and that you're not going to take something lightly. So there's obviously a reason he's like, so when I came and saw you speak at NAB, you've completely converted me. He's like, I still have a lot of skepticism in certain areas which I think he's right. He should. There are areas that are underdeveloped. Like this isn't something I expect anyone to just jump in with two feet and believe it's the solution for everything. Today, it's not for a lot of reasons. But Brad, I just felt like that was the highlight of my week to say that now he's writing articles and op-eds about community and real-time fan engagement. And he's like, I realize Web3's infrastructure for engagement, which is so critical for media and entertainment. Um, yeah, that's a great, great story. Um, and it's funny because, you know, years of going to South by Southwest and cans and all that stuff, mm -hmm. there's no one talking and, and you know, people who go to the cans are like, rich, you should have been there. You would have dominated. Yeah. You, know, you would talk on any topic on web three and you, you would have been, you know, this year there star. was some presence. I don't know if you saw, but we did, um, Medican. And we did a pop-up Netflix, essentially. And uh, we partnered with the Film 3 group, The Squad. And mm -hmm. um, they did an in-real-life event at Cannes and a speaking session. And it was really exciting. And then virtually, we hosted uh, essentially a pop-up Netflix for two weeks with award-winning films that they curated and brought these filmmakers together on. And we sold a pass on Thetadrop.com for $30. And each film was matched with... Um, with, you know, panel discussions like you would at a real um, festival. And it was cool. You could buy it with a credit card and you got access. It unlocked it. And we loved it because it showcased NFT digital rights management, which we have a patent for. But that's a use case I'm so excited about because you can't share a password in that scenario. You get to monetize directly. Like, it's like I'm so eager and focused on having these streaming platforms or anybody with content um, start adopting NFTs as an authentication layer. Oh, yeah. I so anyways, go on. You said can, and then I got really excited that we're starting to get some some notoriety and, and from these traditional festivals and events that, you know, Web3 is here and it can solve a lot of our problems. 100%. Absolutely. And I don't want to divert from Theta, the product, but we're on this interesting role here. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested from you is what, 
you know, all right, Hollywood and, yeah. and, you know, the Writers Guild and SAG and everyone's on strike, right? Yeah. It, for me, that's a very, very tenuous situation for Absolutely. Hollywood. Absolutely. Beyond. And it's getting more every day. Yeah. It's now becoming a, a real, They're you know, both everyone's talking about it, right? So I know. Yeah. Now, because I talk to folks like you and Macroverse and, you know, Adam from Macroverse we had on last week, which was really interesting. And it's almost like Web3 folks are going, okay, that's great. Go on strike. We're going to keep creating really great content. Right. We've got content and a, solutions, a couple yeah. of red cameras. We've got, uh, you know, a uh, nice audio studio. We can do whatever we want. We didn't break the bank doing it. Um, and we're just going to, we're going to create movies. We're going to create shorts. We're going to create documentaries, uh, comic books, whatever they're yep. doing. And they're doing it. And I think once they rotate and, uh, you know, people start to rotate their minds a little bit and go, oh, we, you mean we don't really have to be in a union? I mean, it does help to get work and for benefits and rights and all the good stuff that a union would supply a, mm -hmm. an individual or a group of people. But now people can really just, like, you could start a studio. Just start a studio and create, right. do what you need to do. This um, is what I tell a lot of creators is you're a studio, you're a business. You're not just a creator with, with all the respect in the world. I mean that. Um, and this film three group, actually, I'll have to send you some more information on them. It's really interesting. I met them about a year ago at their first film three summit and it's an ecosystem of filmmakers, uh, directors, writers, creators, actors, but also technology solutions. So like Decentralized Pictures, which is a Roman Coppola company who is using Web3 infrastructure um, as a solution in a new way. And, you know, Bingeable Tech, the CEO, Stephen Murray, is a marketing and amplification platform using Web3 um, for filmmakers so that they can get the royalties and rights management. I mean, there's so many, um, but what's so exciting of right now, seeing it in real time with the strikes is that, you know, they continue to fight and it's brutal. It's shocking. It's jaw dropping and it's, it gets more, more crazy each day. And film three group is here saying there's a path like Let's, you know, you could keep fighting and dwindle down and it's going to be like Stephen Murray yesterday. I saw him. He said, yeah, it's just going to be a shinier piece of shit at the end of the day, <laughs> like at best. Or we could go down this new path and and they there's companies, people, creators who have are doing it right now, like you're saying, specifically for this type of medium of art. Come this way, like let's in, let's go down this new path and. The union piece is something I've been studying just because I'm fascinated by this that, you know, not to replace them, but how do you add Web3 infrastructure so that they have even more more of its proper weight and power that they should? Yeah, uh, <laughs> all really good points. And this is like the, the, the turning of the tides. This yes. is the way I think of it. Um, and people are either, you know, jumping in headfirst, some small yeah. amounts of people. Um, and others are dipping their toes in, and that's okay. And that's right. perfectly fine. Um, but this stuff is going to change. And once the audience shifts, exactly. the studios are going to have to shift. I mean, look, look at the numbers of Disney 
and some of the other, um, you know, uh, big mm-hmm. media companies doesn't look so hot um, for I talk whatever about reason. This a lot. Oh, the I know you do. And the loss of a subscriber and, you know, that Disney could yeah. lose 4 million subscribers in a quarter. And it's just like, that's no my big body. deal. Or I mean, Netflix could lose a million. And I get so pissed off at Netflix because I love Netflix. And I grew like they, I, I grew yeah. up next door to Los Gatos where they're headquartered and such an innovative company then now is falling back and adding ads and just becoming one of the rest. I mean, there's ways to criticize Netflix. Don't get me wrong, especially with the strike and they're part of the problem. However, at its inception, um, you know, for them to add advertising instead of trying something like a membership over a subscription or like, you know, using an NFT and if the lifetime, uh, the lifetime value of a customer is, let's just say like a thousand dollars, what if they sold a lifetime membership for 5000 You know, a limited quantity and you got front of the line at Comic-Con. Maybe you watch Stranger Things the night before. All things that don't cost them more money. It's not inventing a new business or loyalty program. It's just being resourceful and giving value and rewards back to these fans. Like that changes the conversation of churn, turns it upside down, solves password sharing. You know, it's it's like driving me crazy over here. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why not put your toe in very risk adverse in a risk adverse way before you're adding ads and charging us for ads? I, that just gets me crazy. It, it, they didn't get creative. You got to get no. creative with the stuff in business. Not, I'm and not talking about ex- you know, movies. Right. And, and it, what I learned at Vimeo, because Vimeo did not support ads um, notoriously. Like like There's a whole conversation <laughs> there. But... They didn't and they, you know, it's much easier to build a million dollar business with um, a small group of paying subscribers than it is with advertising. And that's a fact, like advertising, just putting ads on something, you need eyeballs, you need a lot of marketing spend and you need consistently marketing spend to get those eyeballs to make the revenue worthwhile. So I don't think this advertising model for Netflix, I mean, look, the numbers are there, so it's going to be something substantial, but by no means is it solving anything and definitely isn't solving password sharing. You know, one of the other things you just brought up, Andrea, was advertising, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it first on the content side with the Netflixes and the YouTubes and other streaming networks and whatnot first. Yes. But the advertising models, um, they don't like the DSP model, the, all the, yeah. the ad serving, all those networks that have been literally faucets of money uh, f- for a small amount of uh, yeah. small amount of people are going to change. They have to change. And they, they actually are in a 2.5 way right now. I'm under excited. The radar. Yes. Yeah. I, I'll yeah. have to send you some. Oh, I definitely do. have to send you um, someone's info. Um, she's the CMO of um, this company, and I will definitely turn you on to, to her and to the, the company, a decentralized ad-serving network. That's oh, wait, happening. the timing could not be more perfect. If data communities listening, they're going to have a field day with any kind of nuggets I give. But there is something I'm working on in the background, too, because I'm very fascinated by how Web3 will disrupt advertising. Now it's like almost shark infested waters, in my humble opinion, because 
as you may find a company or solution new or traditional who could benefit from Web3, there's a lot of powerful people and companies that don't want transparency in advertising for many reasons. And they are companies who have bought companies to bury them. You know, it's like very powerful because transparency, like there's a lot of fraud that's happening in advertising. And, you know, we have um, awesome, like uh, our some partner replay, they own rewarded TV and it's a watch to earn model and um, it's advertising and paid, you know, it's all kinds of models that it includes transactional as well. You can curate your library with NFTs. Um, and they're, they come from OTT traditional companies and they're really interesting, intelligent builders respected in this space. That's cool. Um, one of their competitors though, I heard speak on a podcast recently and they said, oh, see, like you could leave, um, the TV on all day and you could earn, we can give you tokens for that, you know, from the advertisers. And this is a, our I was listening because it's a competitor to our customer. And I was like, I can't believe the CEO just said that. That's fraud, right? And so it's like all these people are manipulating advertising. They're on the wrong side. And then you have other people who are building real solutions like our customer rewarded TV that is, you know, offering incentivized behavior, but they're not telling you let your TV run. In fact, like they can you know, if it goes idle, just like if I let Netflix run too long, it needs to stop, right? And Anyways, that's like a whole other podcast, but I get that is so fascinating to me. And if you can start making change where the money is, I, that's where mass adoption is going to happen. Yeah. And it's going to start with the users too, because to your point, hundred percent, a lot of these very powerful media execs and investors and whatever they, whoever they are, will gobble up all the small, small folks as long as they possibly can to keep the 2.0 model going because the 2.0 model, yeah, it's control. It's control. Another word. Perfect. <laughs> We're all totally on the same page because the one word that actually comes up a lot for me and for others in the web three space and on this podcast is control government control. The, the central bank digital coin, what is that going to do? Well, it's definitely going to be able to make your life easier in the sense that you'll be able to transact quicker, right? Okay, great. But you will also have a permanent record of everything you've purchased, every place you're going. It's surveillance. It's a surveillance coin. That's just me, um, my personal opinion, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, and it's how, and you know, the, 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 the central banks are like befuddled by all this stuff because it's like, oh, we're going to have to give up now. Well, you don't, you don't have to give up. You could be stronger adopting in it. That's what's mind boggling to me. You could have the most competitive edge arguably in the world by embracing it. There's a silly analogy here. So, so when I worked in the NBA, I interviewed whoever had the best game on the visiting team on a cassette player. Then I'd go play it for my team. We type it out and fax it to ESPN, USA Today. They'd use my quote in their paper, not as Andrew Barry, just like Associated Press. But I read this book and I wish I could remember, but it was during this time where like they didn't, um, now there's rules, like you can't tweet during halftime. And it was at the same time that NFL players were getting Twitter and NFL, I don't know if you remember, they banned Twitter. And 
that was stupid because I can go say not Andrea Berry, right? On my Twitter handle or I have a pseudo name. Like, and this woman wrote about it and she said, if it's a solution or it's a, if it's a solution and something people like, you're never going to control it. And in fact, if you even try to control it, you will fail miserably and you'll be worse off than if you just let it go unregulated. And so if you have to lean in, you have to have regulation, you have to have parameters. And what she said was before they introduced the parameters and they did, and it worked and, you know, as worked as it could, but like, you can't, it's inevitable change. It's like marijuana solves like medical problems. People enjoy it. You're not going, in my opinion, you're not going to be able to control that and say, no, ban it. It's, it's, you're only inducing the legal side of it by doing so. And so I think a lot of that just applies to blockchain tokens and it's a fine line and I don't have the answers. I just think it's a fascinating realization. These corporations and government needs to realize that it's here. It's not going anywhere. And the more you want to fight it, you're going to be worse off than if you even just let it alone. Yeah. And let go. We say this about to, to brands all the time. You have to let go for people to trust you even more. Right. The government yeah. will never let go. It's all about control. Again, control. I know. Well, it's um, ir ironic because with what blockchain, they could have more control in theory. Right. Yeah. It's so depending on how. But that's why I'm also passionate about so many. What my, my work is, is like I just want good people and ethical people to embrace and understand this technology at a higher, a faster pace than the people who will misuse it. That's like ethical. what motivates me every day. So if we can do that before the effed up government and institutions that do take advantage of us today, then I think we're in good shape. Um, yeah, it's a dance. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. Um, and, you know, getting that balance right is going to take years, many, many years. Totally. Um, and people will wake up. And I think they are Yeah. to this media, what I would call, uh, I don't even know, it's social social war that's going yeah, on currently definitely. Uh, the bifurcation of this country and many others and information uh, and right. information right and what can you have and what can't you have and what's regulated and you know i look at elon musk um and i'm like damn what were you thinking buddy um <laughs> and then he does what he does and not everyone likes it but when you, you take a step back and it's like wow, he's really trying to keep this platform as free as possible, um, barring any kind of, you know, anti-Semitic language or, you know, hate language or anything else like that. Um, he's really trying to keep it open um, and free from tons and tons of regulations and rules and all this stuff, which, you know, it's a huge challenge, but he seems to be doing it. And other, like some people are like, F you, I'm no longer on the platform. I don't like you. I don't like what you're doing. Yeah, well, I think. Ask yourself why you don't like what he's doing. Yeah, and I think there's ways to argue it in every which way. I think for progress, you know, if, if um, for progress he makes, there's also sacrifices that are happening that are up for question. Is it worth the sacrifice? At the end of the day, he's the CEO and, um, I think what is interesting is, I, you know, I'm thinking out loud in real time, so I feel a little vulnerable. But, you know, uh, I worked for a famous billionaire and it was fascinating. I learned a lot. And I've 
had relationships like business relationships with other billionaires. And I think it's fascinating. And then to the day, um, you know, CEOs in general are wild and crazy and it takes a personality to be a CEO, but like a CEO of a company like that, like, I don't think Jack Dorsey was so innocent. Like, I don't think like, you know, these, the, but we have a lot of transparency and exposure to what Elon's doing where like this is happening at probably every major web two company, definitely at the social ones and, and media facing ones. And I saw it at Vimeo firsthand. In fact, the CEO of Vimeo just had, uh, she was let go finally, or she left. I'm not sure what the public message is, but she's gone. And she's now at Tubi, which is um, the Fox version of Pluto TV. But, you know, that's so interesting. Even at Vimeo, I saw the corporate structure, how we're thinking about creators, but what we're publicly saying. It's not fun. It's not great. But a lot of these Web2 companies operate at these uh, like anyways, all this to bring back what Elon's doing, no matter what you your opinion is, um, it's happening way more often. Even the critics, I want to tell you, it's like this stuff's happening everywhere at Web2. It's um, they're kind of eating each other like. You know, and it's well, and it's like a central point of power of a vertically integrated system. It's like this is how it's going to work, and we have to yeah. build a new way if you don't like it. Yeah, and you know, at the risk of sounding you know utopian, if you will, hmm. uh, with Web three, it really it, it's it's not everything, but and it's not a religion, it's not right. a, a business model, it, it's just a new way of transacting or connecting with people. Yeah, and it's new just, infrastructure. They, Exactly. It's not everything can run like, you know, a Fortune 500 company or the military for that matter. Right. Um, there are other ways to do it where people are just simply can choose their level of involvement. You may want to mm -hmm. be a camper and just kind of observe um, or you want to be really involved in helping to make decisions or, you know, offering creative ideas to propel the brand or right. the media company that you really like and now trust. Um, it's, it's again, it, they need to get over it um, and it'll happen. It'll happen slowly. And it's interesting. <laughs> you brought up Jack Dorsey and I'm like, ah, it, in hindsight, like it really makes sense because why did he jump and go hundred percent to square? Right. Mm -hmm. Because he's turning square into most likely a full-on Web3, you know, tokenized type Right, of you democratize payments for small businesses, right? For consumers with small businesses. He, I, my, this, and again, this is my opinion, my thinking here. I think he left um, uh, Twitter because he literally could not push the board to go in yeah, that direction. Yeah, it's a direction. mess. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. So um, there's I, I like, think these, yeah, these fights are happening, right? So yeah, it is interesting. I read something probably on Reddit last night that, you know, it's leaked from Twitter that Elon's turning it into a microtransaction platform. So I think he has a vision for that too. You know, I try not to get caught up in it because it's so consuming and my energy and brain power is better spent on what mm -hmm. I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, I find this all very fascinating because I, I was in a situation yeah. um, I ran, I'm not going to bring up the name, but okay. I ran product um, f 
for uh, I was CXO for a very large publisher, very large, mm. and um, and they had a host of uh, brands underneath, a, you know, a major umbrella that's been around forever. And I brought up the idea over and over again it is like let's let's try and do something different. And it's called yeah. micro. This is seven or eight years ago. Micro payments. They're like, what the hell is that? I said, instead <laughs> right. of subscriptions, yep. people can, it, it's like the, um, you know, Brave Browser, you know, back token. Sure. You know, you gave me your eyeballs for a couple of ads. I'm going to give you some tokens. Oh, and by the way, you can re re reward uh, uh, team members on our staff and writers and whoever else you want. Right. It whatever you want to incentivize the behavior around. Or you can cash them out, you know, convert it yeah. to Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever you want to do. Um, and it just went <laughs> right, right over. And you know what? That's actually gonna, going to happen. The paywalls oh, yeah. will be dropped. Eventually, the paywalls will be dropped. And then um, users will, you know, I think publishers will be really surprised at the level of engagement users will have. I know, and right? And what they're willing to offer for mm -hmm. a great article, for a great documentary, or for whatever. first access or whatever it is, consumers are willing to pay. It's what's so funny about the Netflix model is you're adding a new revenue stream with advertising. But like there are people on Netflix who would pay maybe even a hundred dollars, but definitely pay something to watch Stranger Things all at once or the night before. And that's a great marketing engine. Like, you know, it's just fascinating to me that they are so rigid and vanilla with their revenue streams where it's like you're not maximizing on the super fans and the fans who are willing to give Netflix more money for just nothing. They don't need to invent anything new. They just need to, um, you know, unlock or window content differently. Yeah, and having worked with tons of publishers in the past mm -hmm. and if you're getting millions and millions of page views and or downloads or whatever it may be for your content it's really and i used to do this all the time we would a b test sure. certain subscription models certain yeah. advertising uh methodologies and models and designs and layouts and whatnot and we can do it in an hour and get like instant results right they can do the same thing and it just chalks it up to them not being, in, you know, not just Netflix, but many other companies that are so-called right. tech, big tech companies yeah. are not innovation companies. And right. That's, and they, that's okay, but you still need to push the needle. Right. And, and it, it mitigate risk and, and test. Otherwise, you fall behind. You become the blockbuster. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah. like, you know, Netflix added games. To, uh, that's... I'll leave my criticism of that specifically aside, but you know, there's a lot of buzz in the industry, like, Oh, that will be the next wave. And that's what everybody, all these platforms are going to do. And they're not gaming companies. They're entertainment, like film, movie, TV, streaming service, but they're like, they're studios. They're, they're not gaming companies. There are gaming companies that exist. So unless they partner with like a riot games or something crazy, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Like your games are never going to be to the standard that they need. But I do think the gamification of content and interactivity 
is what will happen next. Now, they should be using Web3 if they want to do it successfully and safe, you know, and safely for their business and margins. But I don't think it's going to be like playing an arcade game in Netflix. There could be an element of that, but that's not going to move the needle in their quarterly calls. I do think those microtransactions, you know, incentivizing behavior that that increases engagement and you gamify that experience, whether it's earning or whatever it is, that will be, I think, what is going to be the next wave of um problem solving or excitement in the streaming space strikes and drama today aside just you know pretending like that is a separate thing yeah and you you bring up a lot of good points there Andrea. um and one brings me to the idea of like you're not a gaming company right so why do mm-hmm. that now let's we're gonna jump back to mr zuckerberg again uh, because okay. it's just so easy i love it so easy it is um, it's too easy you're you're not you're by the way you're not the metaverse even though you rebranded oh, meta which you tried to co-opt the name that burns me 10 times over totally um very annoying but you're not a gaming company you're not an experience company truly right yes you offer facebook and instagram even when which they are did have games, it was zynga it was the gaming companies in fact my founder ceo mitch uh he, one of his first big successes was a gaming company that was a game on Facebook, but it wasn't Facebook's game. It was a developer community, like, right? They were just, they, yeah. it was a connecting point. It was an API, like they weren't the gaming. So just for all your, for all your critics who are going to say, well, actually Facebook had crazy games. It wasn't Facebook who built those games. Oh, those are all indie. Um, yeah. You know, uh, they, they create a pool of games and then they license them out. Right. Rightfully so. Um, so it brings me to the idea again with Mr. Zuckerberg here. Um, you're you're not the metaverse. No one is the metaverse. And right. if you wanted to pick a close winner, not a winner, I shouldn't say, someone or a an entity, a leader or a potential leader would be Microsoft. Microsoft is not a gaming company, technically, but they own 22 plus gaming companies studios exactly exactly right so they're poised and to me the metaverse is a very good perspective yeah the metaverse is not xbox PlayStation. there's billions of metaverses potentially there are it's it's, it's like a galaxy exactly i like the i often use that term there there is it's a galaxy and then Xbox is a planet or PlayStation's huh. a planet or Roblox is a planet or whatever it is. Right. It's the connected tissue between these. The communication yes. connective tissue between the planets is the metaverse. Right. No one's done that yet. No one. Yeah. Some people are working on it. But um, and, and just the idea of thinking, you know, don't reinvent an industry. Just kind exactly. of either get involved, invite people in. And or start to accumulate these. Well, in any good company, you know, like Netflix was a DVD company first, and then they started to lean into streaming, but they didn't just whiplash into becoming, you know, like, and, and Netflix has their own technology stack. But earlier on, they were using a lot of vendors to make their technology stack because it mitigated risk. So it's the same concept. But Web3, like I was saying about the business development and partnerships and opportunity, 
it's endless because if we build a connecting point or a bridge with a solution or whatever it might be, we can use it as we need. And when we're done with it, we're done with it. We're not in a 10 year contract. We're not in, you know, that this web two world, once you have a partnership, it's a marriage and, and it, whether you like it or not, you're stuck kind of a thing. Web three offers like, okay, I'm going to use you now because that suits my business. Tomorrow it doesn't. Thank you. See you later. I'm moving on and building it myself or moving to the next best solution that I'm going to use. And that actually brings something up very interesting in the developer community where when um, Terra Luna kind of pancaked uh, a year and a half ago to almost, whatever, almost two years ago, um, the people, developers were screwed, most of them like 90% of the developers or protocols developing for that environment were really, really left in the dark um, and the close shop. The other ones were multi-chain, so they can kind of port out to multiple different uh, ecosystems and, and still continue to work and build, and they're still charging ahead. It's very interesting. You have to be, you have to leave a little bit of, these doors, secondary and, and tertiary doors open um, so that you can play, test, you know, and innovate uh, beyond it. So yeah, yeah take a lesson. It's interesting. I mean, um, we're going to get into more of the technology tomorrow. We're hosting a Twitter spaces, but yesterday we announced a partnership with POG. Um, the, if you remember the old milk cap bottle game, it's wow. Yeah. 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 Oh and they God. have, they're awesome. The CEO, Kyler, is so inspiring, brilliant, interesting background building Google Cloud, working at um, um, really amazing companies, helping build Unity. Um, and I've been really inspired working with him, but he's really, t I mean, I, I've been in this space a year and some change now. And like we've said, we are always learning, but he's taught me a lot about interoperability. Like I understand it, but he's like played put it together where it makes sense. And I can see it right in front of me now with Pogs. So they have built on Solana. They have a game on Solana. They have um, NFTs on Ethereum. You know, they, they've done a lot in this space already, but because it's um, fast transactions and quick, you know, fast transactions, but also um, high, high volume of transaction, the gas fees on other platforms just haven't worked out. And so they're building a Theta subchain which positions them as powerful as a layer one. So the way that our infrastructure is built, when you build a subchain, you know, other blockchains, it would be a layer two. It's actually, you're as powerful as a layer one. And so they are launching a subchain. They will have a token. Um, I won't share dates and times because that's something we take seriously and like to under promise over deliver, but Theta essentially, the way I kind of envision the way I'm learning about this technology interoperability is Theta's subchain, we're calling they're calling it the POG chain. That is their layer when that's their home base. So as they may partner with another company or a brand that is working on other, there's bridges and ways to work together, but Theta's the home base. And people ask us all the time, like, are you competitive? And sure, at this stage of growth of the market, like it is good to be competitive. But, you know, World of Women is a partner of ours and they use this for our video infrastructure and they're on Ethereum. We all know that. And we're not trying to take them away from them. That would be silly. That would, that would be unethical for me to pressure them even, right? But we were able to authenticate their NFTs to unlock a live 
uh, event of their award show so that only community members could access that event. It's a beautiful way that we can work together and coexist where the ships, like I said earlier, I forget if it was while we were recording or beforehand, but the ships rise together in this space and companies can operate as they see fit without having forced relationships, I guess is my point. Yeah, I love it all. And, you know, now it's, (laughs) you got another fan in your corner. Um, (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) um, So just for, for our listeners, and just to bring it back into yep. a little bit of Theta land here. Sure. Uh, well, it's all Theta land, but. Um, yes. the, illustrate the benefits just of like the, for the end user and the, 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 the business side. Sure. Such a loaded question. But it's I'll, loaded, I know, I know. But. Loaded, but <laughs> just know that I'm going to answer in a few specific paths. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, rather than all encompassing and staying vague. But, you know, being proof of stake, uh, it's better for gas fees, it's better for engagement and focused on media and entertainment. Engagement is everything like we've talked about. And so you ha- you want as much engagement as possible. So that has to be with proof of stake. So on the on the infrastructure side, it's it's, um, you know, about the fast transaction times that are um, absolutely critical for video experiences, for sure other media as well. Um, and then also the gas fees or lack thereof gas fees, right? Um, the fact that it's permissionless and that, you know, um, you know, there's that avenue that I could get into. But what I'll say on more the consumer side that I think a lot of people are curious about and then we can all relate to is we're, you know, right now we're a Web3 company, but we help companies lean in and we have a lot of Web2.5 solutions. So, for instance, we have ThetaDrop, our NFT marketplace, and that's to onboard people into Web3 and blockchain. And we have a custodial wallet. So you don't have to decode a bomb and remember your fast phrase and all of these things. You log in with, you know, 2FA, of course, but you log in with your email and password and, um, you know, we accept credit cards. And so I think that's so critical at this stage for both businesses and consumers in this space that I'm really proud of. And that I think just are like table stakes in my opinion, but unfortunately it's not, it's like you're either web three and you know, it's like we're helping the people who are curious and might want to buy a Steve McQueen NFT or a Medican video pass or a pog collection to play a game. We can help, those communities recruit their friends and family by being like, great, all you need to do is a credit card. You know, they can help shepherd in those users. We can help. It's easier. So I think that's like a huge element that both plays on the business side because it enables us to work with companies, very traditional companies like Fremantle with American Idol and Price is Right. Um, And the fact that we offer managed services around that is very critical. So these companies can come to us with their brands, they know their audience the best, and then we get to teach them and shepherd their way into Web3 too, and make them feel empowered, not mystified by this, right? And that, you know, that's like one of my favorite stories is Fremantle now has a Web3 team, and it's the team that we worked with, and they are brilliant, and they're like, oh, you know, we're no Web3 experts, I was like, nobody is, but at your company, you definitely are. And I'm really proud that it was our team and managed services that, 
you know, gave them that expertise to now be um, that influential at their company. But so I think, I mean, we can even go back to the question, but those are like really specific things that I think that Theta is doing very well that are tangible to everybody today. And then, you know, of course, there's more infrastructure side of things, but that's can be very technical and to some abstract. So I want to paint a specific picture for you. No, that, that, Andrea, that was great. And um, yeah, I mean, for, for on the business side, the partnership side, you're offering, you know, the edge network, um, right. perhaps a faster, cheaper way to serve videos on the consumer side. You're tr- more you know, secure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's security. Um, you're you're also on the consumer uh, and IP and right. rights management and all the bells and whistles that go with that baked in, which is a beautiful thing. So there's a lot going on with Theta. And then on the consumer side, it really is about you know, you may be a creator, you may be just a consumer, you might be, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, um, there's multiple ways for you to kind of interact with brands now uh, in a trusted, secure way, in a more intimate uh, way as well. Um, And a more tailored way, which gives the business more marketing leverage. Exactly. Um, Not not just creatively, but from a a data and analytics standpoint as well. Yep, absolutely. um, truly like and the thing with nfts specifically is you can build on them right so yeah you know it's like as every nft project in my opinion is a small business or at least starts as a small business if not more and it's up to you as the issuer to decide how you want to build with it if you know you want to team up with another collection or community to then unlock xyz or airdrop this or that but you can start small and just have it be about your fan base. And then you can start adding value as you go and incentivizing behavior as you go. But the baseline of that smart contract is there where you own the relationship and it's up to you to add value and build on that. Yeah. And the other thing too is sometimes people over overlook is the idea that NFTs can be, to your point, be built on, added to, yes. right? So it becomes, and there's a, and I would love to have this conversation with you probably another time is, I hate websites. What, what's the alternative? Uh-huh. Well, now I have a wallet. And right. now I have um, maybe um, uh, I downloaded something from Artifact uh, and it's a Nike collectible and uh-huh. it's a one-off and it cost me a fortune, whatever it is. <laughs> but it, I can still get information. I can get all the meta information right. about that particular product i can now understand sports stars that may be using that i could get trading cards from those sports like it's just the ripple effect from a marketing perspective is profound Um, and the tools what gets me excited is like go to a sporting event and you do have the you know the nike thing and maybe that night is sponsored by nike it's like amex right yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the Amex. Exactly. It's the Amex. Mod. I did tons of work with Amex. So cool. I know their whole mod inside and out. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's fa- fantastic. Um, they they were kings of make taking a product and making events around them or vice right. versa. Right. Right. So now you enter the arena and instantly there's a game for you to play. And then the results are showed on the Jumbotron. Because right. Because you and you know, 5,000 or 
a thousand other users out there or in the stadium are participating and you walk away with something. And Everyone even, walks away with and something. The, the, you think of even just the psychological connection that it makes is stickier to the brand or the consumer. Like I remember going to Warriors game and Amex card holders. My friend had one. We got to meet one of the, um, the previous, um, I think it was Jason Richardson, if I'm remembering correctly, but I was so excited to meet him and he was like meeting all these kids. And I was like the adult, <laughs> I had him sign my arm. I was like so excited. And it was like the best game ever because that's how the game started is I got to meet with him and chat with him. And then it's like, that was an experience. So it tapped into a side of me than just like being nobody. I felt like somebody and it was a stickier brand experience for me overall that whole evening. I was like all in. I mean, I'm already a Warriors fan, but it was like, you know, it solidifies that. Membership. That's yeah, what it is. definitely. It's, you know, an unspoken membership, really. And it's very interesting if, since we're talking about NFTs, you know, there's been, you know, in the news and I'm sure, you know, we're all hearing eh, the NFT markets are sluggish and whatnot right. and, or just completely... Yeah you know, bottoming out. And I don't think they're bottoming out. I think people are just, you know, they're onto the new things. But what yeah. these folks need to realize is, or the publishers of these NFTs is, you could still keep, like people are holding, they're not throwing them away. Yes. Um, it costs them a small fortune for some of them. But you can add value on top of that and rekindle that and relationship. I, this is what I'm so excited for. I think it will be obvious in the next bull run. But like I say, communicated this to the community recently and it seemed like it really resonated where I'm like you know uh, we have a really cool community driven podcast um, there's a, a NFT community called uh, Secret Pineapple Society it's kind of like our version of Board Apes Club but there's like more utility um, and they have a podcast and I love these guys and they started the podcast to uh, hold accountability to Theta and our projects and NFTs. And it was started as a joke of like, you know, it was a feature release that we said would be ready by, let's say like, um, you know, July 1st and it was July 10th. And so they started the, you know, I'm paraphrasing totally, but they're like, it's been nine days since Theta said they'd deliver X, Y, Z. And it was, and now they have, all, they're like NFT gurus. I call them NFT nerds. And I say that to their face so I can say it, but they are totally, it's awesome. They're holding people accountable for these projects. But what I talked to them about is like the fact that there was a project and that I own this NFT. Now it could go dark for a while or this, this startup could go cold for a while or whatever it is. But it's not to say that in two years when they have funds to do this or that, or maybe somebody else acquires that business, like that NFT all of a sudden is pumped with um, value. I don't know. It's just interesting. Something we talk about a lot, like the Medican pass we sold. We, you know, as we continue on with other film and movie projects, we encourage our partners to say, oh, do you want to airdrop this pass, you know, for a premiere or something? Can we airdrop it to the Medican holders? And that's something that then the Medican holders, they weren't expecting any of that. And like, oh, cool. Because I got into this early on, like I now get this movie pass and like, I'm really encouraging that logic on the business side more where people don't feel overly committed and that they always can go back and build on what's already there. And you can, I don't want to imply, hold on to things and hope for things to happen. Cause that 
it's not what I'm saying, but like I have things in my wallet that I won't get rid of, like one of my American Idol ones, because I'm excited for what potentially American Idol will do in the future. Cause I have the winner. So I want to see, you know, maybe in five years he's at Madison Square Garden and he sells tickets and I get first access because he can tap into his OG card holders. You know, it's like those things I daydream about. I'm not saying that's happening for the record, but that can happen. Yeah, it's uh, a a continual stream, whether it's full on or to your point, intermittent um, because of you know, VC funds drying up. Basically, that's kind of what's happening these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you rekindle it back, you know, you know, uh, down the road a year or two from from now. Right. Um, and I think that's where, that's why I was bringing up this Pinecast. I love that right. these guys hold these projects and creators accountable because it's good to keep the pressure on, keep these companies or projects honest. But also then it's a reason to say, hey, People are still asking, like people care, people want this and and then we can go back and give the community what they want. So they represent a voice, but it's good that we keep these projects accountable, um, especially in, in the, the nature of the space today and people who do rug pull and the, the fraud that does inevitably happen on blockchain at this stage. Like it's, I love to see that communities are still coming together regardless of status of project and they put pressure on companies and artists to continue to add value or get creative. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And um, I had the opportunity to kind of dabble with um, Theta TV, which is really cool. Actually, there's some really good, really good stuff flowing in there. Um, and the one thing that I really loved, and you, you hit on it earlier on in the podcast, is the idea of like a Twitch-like experience, which I really like. And I want to see that come to regular, you know, broadcast television and the streaming networks. Like, why aren't they doing that? I want to see what people are saying about this and just quickly, easily toggle on and off and maybe just have, um, you know, uh, text to speech type of, uh, interaction with, through my phone or something like that with my TV. Um, I, I really like that. I really enjoyed it. I think it'll foster a lot of engagement. You know, if, if I could do that with a, a streaming podcast like this, like a Twitch, but not on Twitch. Right. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah, it is cool. We're seeing more of them pop up. You know, that was um, what we started as a company was that Theta TV solution. It was called Sliver That's TV. Sliver. Then. So we keep the lights on as like a POC to show what we can build on Theta. But, you know, I'm looking mm-hmm. for um, the companies who are going to build the next Twitch on Web3 and on Theta and or Snapchat or the next Netflix, like, while I work with these existing companies and enterprise companies, I also focus a lot too on these web three native companies that are going to be the next, I don't know. I'm so excited to see whatever I'm like such a nerd. I'm the first to download all these apps anyways. Um, Yeah. I guess a part of it is being part of the new innovation, web three innovation companies, but also help to shepherd Yes, you know, for sure. The, the OG kind of streaming networks and, and other networks. Um, you guys partner with like Lionsgate, MGM, uh, NASA. That's pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a really it's great fun. start. Yeah, now, we have a really good list of investors and advisors. It's um, oh nice. yeah, your your advisors are from you know you know Vimeo and. All over the place. Like, uh, where else? Let me see. Um, 
uh, uh, one of the founders Samsung. of Twitch and YouTube. And um, one of my friends, Tad Rowe, he's had a product at Pluto TV. He actually brought online video to TMZ. That's how I met him back when I was at Kaltura. You know, it's like really cool advisors that are very inspiring, the investors. But one of the questions I had when I was onboarding, you know, I was a little fearful of was like, okay, how difficult is it to like get these meetings? You know, how is this going to be like a pain in the ass? Am I going to be cold calling and really like, you know, just am I going to, how resilient am I going to have to be to just get these initial meetings? And I'm really lucky because Theta's had so much success and these great advisors and great um, investors that I don't want to say it's easy, but it's very organic and I have plenty of work to do without trying to convince somebody to get on the phone. I don't need to waste my time, you know, an uphill battle. There's people I have to convince or demystify with, but like those are people who are taking meetings and at least somewhat open-minded. And it's not as much as what I anticipated or was fearful of where I'm going to have to really hit a lot of dead ends or doors slammed in my face. Like luckily I have not had one door slammed in my face, only semi slammed. And then it ended with the best, most successful outcome of the meeting. <laughs> they said, don't worry. I agree. JPEGs are stupid. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it's fun gosh. though. Yeah. But you know, you bring up a really good point. Um, when you, I, I did tons of spent a lot of time at Viacom and Nickelodeon. Cool. Um, it, you know, the group itself moved pretty swiftly and we were able to do some really interesting things with gaming and, and other mm -hmm. communications and design. Um, but it, it's, it's almost like a second job being able to negotiate um, top tier management or executives oh, yeah. to get decisions or funding within the organization. Oh, this is so, like what yeah. makes me tick. I'm obsessed with the way corporations work. I don't want to say politics cause that's, um, almost distracting, but like operations, I love a good operation. In fact, fun fact about me that is very embarrassing, but I don't care is my dream job is to be head of TSA. Like I'm obsessed with TSA. I enjoy going through TSA security. I am like, I'm like enamored, but nothing pisses me off more than a bad TSA experience when it's poorly run. But I just like, the magnitude of the operation, that or the postal service. I'm obsessed with the postal service. <laughs> like All right. how things my get done and massive operations. Like it's so fascinating to me where I'm just like, I, I, I just love it. And so when you think of a corporation, you know, it's the same kind of thing when, cause I've worked for the billionaires who buy these companies, whatever, like to every stage I've worked my way up and, mm -hmm. um, you see it and it's like, oh, okay, it's like a puzzle. Let's be resourceful. How can we influence change? And I take kind of like a tentacle approach where if I'm meeting with the C-suite, I'm meeting with all the lower level employees that I know in my network and can get meetings with. Whether or not I even tell each other that is a whole other conversation, but I'm going to learn the day-to-day. -day. It's going to help me with that conversation and vice versa. You play like quarterback between these groups. That's how you do it. Mm. yeah uh it's it's it can be challenging um totally. but there are better ways for sure absolutely um and it, it's it, we're wrapping up a little bit i think we got to wrap up a little bit yes um but um what can for our audience what can we expect from theta anything you can kind of give us a little 
maybe leak out a little bit or just yeah. start the next six months road roadmap or yeah I, I, you know i mentioned um our partner pog um you know that type of partnership is something i'm trying to repeat uh often so those partnerships i'm always working on some move faster than others some want to be public facing and announce the partnership some don't um so that will continue to happen i think you know these NFT projects are really a strategy to land and expand these corporate relationships. So, you know, focusing on interesting NFT projects that are utility driven first and foremost, um, because, you know, if there's utility, then it's probably using infrastructure, which means you're using more than just our NFTs. Right. Um, and I always am focused on these streaming workflows and NFT DRM and anything around our patents. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a whole mix of things that you'll see on the consumer side where things you can experience and then there's a lot of exciting B2B stuff that I'm working on that will transform the internet in my opinion and um you know, I'm all about working smarter not harder, so I'm hoping one of those announcements will come in the next few months at, you know, a tier 1 media company on the infrastructure implementation side will be. Mm. That's like my north, uh, my north star that I'm always trying to focus on, among the yeah. million other things. Awesome. Well, you sound very, <laughs> very busy, which is awesome. That's great. <laughs> um, now you mentioned a Twitter Spaces that's coming up. Mm -hmm. um, it's tomorrow, so I'm I'm sure it's at, uh, um, that will eclipse, but you can listen to the recording. Uh, we have ThetaCon actually is a community driven event on. Um, the first weekend of November in Austin. So that's really exciting. Um, you know, you can watch virtually or you can attend, but it's uh, put on by the community for the community. We usually just show up in support and I'll speak if they want me to. That's a great public facing event. Mm. And then I'll, I'm at conferences here and there, but the best way I think to keep in touch is usually on, on Twitter, either my account or the Theta Network account. Um, is the best way to kind of keep the pulse on what's happening. Awesome. And, you know, for our viewers, you know, Theta has a pretty, I would say, pretty robust community. There's a lot totally. of chat going on. Yes, a lot of that's interesting sure. ideas. Like I said, there's uh, a podcast, a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's, there, you know, you guys are in it to win it and um, you're communicating in the right ways, you know, through media. I appreciate that. We're doing you know, the best media. we can as a small company you know it's um it's a balance act it's i there's i interrupt you just because there's so much more you know communication yeah. we could do but part of my job is to make sure that our team stays focused on the um, infrastructure and the building and you know i have to do the same i want to be as community facing as i can but at the end of the day i'm business development not community manager and i have to delegate my time and resources appropriately. But I appreciate that you think that we communicate well. That's great. I always think there's no, areas good. for improvement. No, every every organization has room right. for improvement. I, I say it from a guy that does pretty much a lot of things. Uh, almost every, I can pretty much handle every operations in my cool. company, but that doesn't mean I want to, just to your point as far, right. as, far as being community community manager. That is a full-time 24-7 job. You know, so um, very we have. Oh, I was going to say shout out to our community manager, uh, Genion. He's kind of was self-appointed 
by the community and now we formalize that role for him but i was just gonna say what i'm very grateful for within the theta community is there's a lot of um you know unofficial community mods and people doing that work and evangelizing and communicating which is really i'm very grateful for yeah sometimes you don't need a giant uh, a giant team you need the right team yeah that's, that's preach good <laughs> job yes i agree um so uh, andrea thank you so much for being with us uh, personally i would love to continue more dialogue because yes we're connected you, on linkedin i'm glad yeah you go well beyond business development and you know even the technology stuff uh, into lots of areas that I'm it's interested in our audiences. Yeah, it's fun conversations, but it's thought provoking. Um, and it, it's important conversations because these, this is the way people are going to understand that there is a different way. Correct. So, um, we really appreciate your time. I want you back. Um, and, uh, where can our, our viewers get you? Uh, theta network.org. And then um, for me, I'm W3Andrea on Twitter and um, Instagram. I'm most active on Twitter. I talk about blockchain, media and entertainment, plants, as you can tell from my background, and, and sports, but mostly um, Theta stuff. So you can follow me there and always happy to hear questions um, and have conversations there. Well, I'm definitely going to hit you up, um, cool. even on even on the plant one, because I need some help with my. Plant That's what my partner has a plant business. I stepped away from, so I just help him in my free time, the little that I have. Um, but literally, his business is set up to help people fix plants, help plants design their space, everything. So awesome. definitely yeah. send it my way. I, I'm the guy that's trying to to perennially kind of grow palm or care for or grow palm, palm trees in the northeast so it's a it's challenging palm trees are yeah no joke i mean that's talk about good business palm tree yeah. business is a lucrative business it, it, uh, oh i know <laughs> they're expensive yeah so um thank cool. you so much thank again you, and thank you everyone for joining us and uh, we'll see you the next time awesome thanks